Hello and welcome to the Pulp Diction Podcast. Got a very special one today. We're joined by a first-time guest, my sister, Evie Young, to discuss the show Stranger Things, a favorite of both of ours. How are you doing, Evie? I'm doing good. What about you, Zach? (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited we're doing this. I've been like... So I watched all the Stranger Things like a year ago almost, or just like forever ago. And I really want to do a podcast on it because it's so interesting and I think it has a lot of appeal. And morals. Good morals, kids. (laughs) And I think it has very widespread appeal, which I want to talk, which made me really want to talk about it and we'll get to later. But I was like, you know, I really want to have Evie on a pod. So I saved this for her because I knew that she was going to end up finishing it and wanting to talk about it. And then you took your sweet ass time finishing it. I, I like to be very thorough when I watch shows. I like to take in the information, and that takes time. Well, Being patient is the key. Well, what you told me is you, you like hadn't watched it, hadn't watched it, hadn't watched it, and then I was like, all right, Evie, I'm leaving for the summer on Monday. And you were like, okay, I'll just watch it all in one night. Did it. <laughs> Stayed up till 7 in the morning finishing Stranger Things and mom getting and our mom getting so pissed at me being like, Evie, what the fuck are you doing? Did you stay up for 7 in the morning Why do you, when you have school? What are you doing, Peep, Evie? But we're here. It was worth it. It was worth the fatigue and headache and, you know. But the moral of the story is we're here. We watched it. It was First good. First of all, what did, yeah, what did you think about it? very good show i mean it the special effects are incredible i was so scared for will in the finale because like because there was that demon inside of him and they were trying to get it out yeah um what did you think of like the way it was shot so if i was talking about this pod with like sean and kevin who are like you know high high society moviegoers and tv show watchers we would talk about like kind of the light filters they use and, like, you know, the way they kind of shoot it to make it seem like it's the 1980s and that kind of stuff. What, like, I guess, Evie, my question is, how does, like, literally the way all the shots look, like, all the scenes look to you in Stranger Things? Like, how do you feel about that? I think that they made it very authentic to the 1980s because they adapted certain technology that was used. Like, they don't, like, if you can tell and like, scenes in the lab and in class. Like, they're not using iPads and shit. Like, they're using the full-on, old-fashioned, Steve Jobs, original fetus, Apple computers, and that kind of thing. And they use... A lot of pen and paper. Incorporating (laughs) the use of 80s technology and embracing it, because technology in our world is very prominent. What was crazy for me and made me feel really old is, like, when the kids are all, like, hanging out, they don't, like, call or text each other. They just, like, get on their bikes and go meet somewhere or just go roll to someone's house. And, like, yeah, it ends up really hurting. I think it's... Who's the kid with the bowl cut? Will. Will. It ends up, you know, fucking over Will if they just go bike to someone's house because he gets picked off by the Demogorgon when he's biking back and falls into the Upside Down in that first episode. But, like, that's just how it was. Like, you know, you talk... Like, we'll talk to our grandfather about, like, his childhood, and he's, like which is the 40s, but still, he's like, yeah, we'd just go, we'd leave all day. He's like, I'd just get on my bike and leave, and I'd come back for dinner. My parents had no idea where I was. And contrast that with today, where, like, Evie, if you're out of the house, like, you had a text from mom every hour. <laughs> <laughs> I just go, hey, mom, going to meet my friends, see you later. And then she's like, okay, where are you going? And I'm like, okay, the movies. <laughs> yeah, so, like, 
Anyway, I thought that was really 1980s. Like, yeah. just the fact they're all rolling around on bikes, just, like, hanging out. Well, they talk on their walkie-talkies, which is kind of unique, in my opinion. That is true. That's kind of cell phone-ish. That's good. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, it's kind of like a nice stand-in for that. Because what's really interesting about this show, and I think part of the reason why, or I think the fact that they said it in the 80s helps with this, is Evie and I were talking this, about this before, but the show really appeals to, like, all ages and genders. Like, like you could wa- you could be, like, our parents' age and watch this and be, like, this remin- is- it's, like, some nostalgia. It's like, oh, like, look at that, like, 1980s, and, like, you know, I like, when as- Max comes in and they go to the arcade, like, that's very much, like, a period piece for them, but it's still relatable to kids yeah. today. At first, they kind of ostracize her. Like, they don't befriend her right away. Cause Talking they about have, Max? Yeah, like, they have, like, their circle. But she proves to be a very loyal friend in the end because she sticks up for Lucas when her racist and stupid and idiotic brother comes in and tries to beat them up, and she just takes charge, and it's literally super badass. I can't wait to see more of her, um, more of her defiance in Season 3 because it's, like, this newfound defiance that I really, really like about her character. And I really hope she explores it more in season three. Who um, who are your favorite characters, Evie? I would say my favorite characters are Eleven. Uh-huh. And Eleven. And, and Eleven. Well, because Eleven, she's very, she's very unique because she, she's a very special character because she has these powers and people judge her. But, like, the guys, they don't really judge her. They don't really care. Because they can tell, because Mike can tell she's broken, she's beaten down, and she's, you know, quiet, and she's terrified, because people, because most of her life is spent in the lab, and these cruel scientists doing, like, shitty, exper- like, cruel Pavlov-like, du- Pavlov-like experiments on her, like, she's some sort of animal, but she's a human being with, like, superpowers, and I just think that, like, when Mike doesn't really, is nice to her, and they're all, like, you know, treating her well, she starts to regain, like, starts to gain, like, this confidence, and she grows to, and from season one to now, she grows to be a really, really good character, and at the end of, uh, episode eight in Stranger Things 2, I was, like, cheering at the top of my lungs, probably waking up my parents, being like, Eleven is back! Yes! Yes! She slays, she slays my world! Oh my god, yes, 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 yes! Alright, alright, you, you're shooting the volume control on here. Okay, Zach, <laughs> we don't need your audible education on this podcast. So, we're talking about so, stranger things right. here. Can I talk now, or do you yes, want to you're talk Yes, talk- you can talk now. Do you want to talk for another two uninterrupted minutes, or should I go? You should go. Alright, I'll go. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I love Eleven, she's my favorite character also, although Hopper is a close second. Hopper's. Um, and I think... The what you talked about was really interesting, like eleven, the conflict for eleven with like like you super identify with it as like a fourteen year old, like, oh she just wants to be free and she's getting fucked over. And I super identify with it as a twenty four year old and I'm like, wow, like she's not getting access to her humanity, you know what I mean? I think like it's... in the in the first season, she's you know, she's constantly being tested. She finally breaks out and she's like on the run from these scientists slash government people and you know, you think once they've kind of defeated that monster, she's free, but she, Hopper in the second season, for her own safety, basically incarcerates her again. And obviously he does that because he cares about her and wants her to be safe, and he knows that those people are trying to get her, but it's almost like it's come it's come right back around again for her. 
And there's one of the brilliant things about this show is the way things kind of come full circle. And and you see that with Eleven's character. Like, she's right back at the start of season two. I mean, Hopper's doing it for the right reasons, but she's back imprisoned again. I feel like Hopper's character change is very significant over the course of the show because if you think back to the pilot episode, all most of Hopper's scenes are him in a police station and him smoking a cigarette because he's smoking a because he has this huge smoking problem and that's really explored because he's very vulnerable and you know his job is a little at risk. Would you say? I, I mean, don't know. I he's it's kind of one of those classic stories right where he's like this small town cop and he has to really rise to the occasion um and i would say he's vulnerable i think that's really really astute evie especially with 11 like you can tell he really cares about 11 and is very fatherly toward her because like when his daughter died she doesn't he has that sense of like wanting to cling on to people and he's very you know he's very depressed and that's kind of why he kind of results to smoking but in season two, you notice that he doesn't he doesn't really smoke as much because he wants to be a good influence on Eleven and doesn't want her to be, to wind up, you know, getting hurt or anything like that because he's so traumatized by his daughter dying of cancer that he doesn't want the same thing, something just as bad to happen to Eleven. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think Hopper's a really interesting character. What did you think about... Um... Uh, I only know the actor's name, Sean Astin. He plays, uh... <laughs> Who's the other guy besides Frodo in Lord of the Rings? Samwise Gamgee? Doesn't he play Samwise Gamgee? Or am I just making that up? You're just making that up. I am? Okay. Well, whatever. The dude, um... The dude who's dating Winona Ryder in the second season. I d- the guy with the camcorder all the time? His name is Bob. And yeah, Bob. But- <laughs> What'd you think of Bob? I, to be honest... Wasn't he in season one, and he was like, and Joyce was trying to get him on the phone because she's coping with Will with losing Will, but he kind of brushes her aside. I feel like he's only really a character in season two. Yeah, I really, I, I just think that he, I didn't, you know, um, here's the thing: when he got like killed, I wouldn't say that I was that upset about it because <laughs> because why? Because he brushed aside. Um, Joyce in season one, where, when she, like, really needed him, and he's just like, oh, okay, our son's missing, bye. And it's just so irresponsible, and no one hurt, and once you, like, and she, and he... No, she calls the ex-husband in season oh, one. Oh, 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 He's the boyfriend. Oh, yeah. He's, like, the really sweet boyfriend who's a little, like, very awkward, and, like... Yeah. Keeps trying to relate to Winona mm-hmm. Ryder's kids, and they're like, this guy's a little weird, but then... They grow kind of, to like yeah, him. He's, he's an honorable guy. What did you think of um, the crazy conspiracy guy that, uh, I gotta actually look up their names, hold up. What did you think about the crazy conspiracy guy? Wow, Zach, that, very responsible. That has... Will's, this is a Pulp Fiction production, Evie. We don't, we don't over, over-research these things. Okay. So who's, so Jonathan, so that's um, someone's older brother. Winona That's Ryder's Will's kid. older brother. Will's older brother, Jonathan. And whoever the... Lucas is... No, not Lucas. Lucas doesn't have a wife, so... Whoever, well, he has a younger who's Mike's sister? sister? What's Mike's... Nancy. Nancy! Jo- you know the cons- crazy conspiracy guy that Jonathan and Nancy go to? Yeah. And, like, helps them. And, like, they send that, like... 
package of information about um, like what's going on in their town all over the place. What do you think of the crazy conspiracy guy? And then Jonathan and Nancy hook up in his house. Um, to be honest, I don't really... I, it's kind of vague to me because I, you know, bad sleep. Watch it. <laughs> um, but I don't really know what to think of him because I... He just... His scene is so brief. Like, I don't... Like, I don't really see any character development, therefore I don't really have, like, an opinion that much. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he's not, like, a huge character. I don't know. I just like So I don't really take him that seriously, because he doesn't seem to be that important, but he's kind of important. So, beyond having a favorite character, Evie, what's your favorite thing about the show? My favorite thing about the show is that it, appeal- it appeals to middle schoolers and high schools the most, and I'll explain that. So, I think it appeals to middle schoolers a lot because Mike and his friends get picked on a lot by, like, other, by, like, the other kids because they're seen as, like, weird and, weird and outsiders, like, they're seen as outsiders, peculiar, weird, and you just, and they just feel like everyone, everyone's so, everyone's mean to them, everyone's always insulting them, and that and it can really you can really relate to that in middle school because in middle school you spend I feel uh, speaking from my own experience I think I got picked on a lot because I was seen as weird or peculiar or kind of like mm-hmm. out of it and I'm I'm happy to be a weirdo I don't I don't give a shit about what other people think at this point Amen Um but that's kind of like something that develop that that general attitude is something that develops over the course of season of of the show because they go, well, people still make fun of them, but they just seem to care less and less each time. Because if you remember, like, the first or second episode of season two, and they go into, um, they go into school in their Ghostbusters costume. Yeah, that's and, an awesome bit. But, like, as you can tell, they don't really give a shit. They're just, like, they're just having a good time, and that's kind of, and they're trying to have a good time. Because this is an absolute nadir in life for a lot of people. Yeah. School is. No, I totally vibe with that. I think they're... And that's kind of their power, right? Like, I see a lot... You've never seen Stand By Me, but they're... The dynamic of them four remind me a lot of the dynamic of the four kids in Stand By Me, where, you know, they don't have really anyone else but each other, and even, like, their parents and their siblings, like, don't really know who they are. It's really, like, those four kids. And, you know, they're kind of united in this common mission, right? In Stand By Me, it's finding this dead body and getting one last exploration before they go their separate ways for high school. In in Stranger Things, it's trying to understand the upside down and trying to find their fourth friend. Um, is that Will? Yes. <laughs> bowl cut kid. <laughs> Noah Schnapp does not have a bowl cut anymore, I'll have you know. Is that for season three, he shaved the bowl? I, I honestly, I part of me hopes so because... It's not a good look for Noah Schnapp, I have to say, because he's a very, he's very handsome, but like... Evie, you, you weren't alive in the 90s. That was such a thing. Like, <laughs> I can I, tell. I can't I've explain seen to Tita- you. I've seen Titanic and Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's just whoosh. Evie, like, literally, though, the thing was, like, parents would, like, instead of getting a haircut for their kids, would take a literal bowl <laughs> and stick it on top of their head and just cut around the bowl. And you, that's why it's called a bowl cut. <laughs> Evie's laughing inaudibly right now. She like can't get air. Are you speaking from experience? 
<laughs> Am I speaking from experience? No, mom and dad never bowl cut at us. That's thankfully. because they're good parents. But if you if you go to like kids who are my age's house and they have like pictures from when they're like six and seven, <laughs> you'll see a lot of bowl cuts. <laughs> it's a great look. Um, <laughs> Mike Finn Wolfhard has the is vibing with the bowl cut hard, and he has that weight, and he, his hair is a little wavy, so it kind of has that fluttery sense. <laughs> Can I talk about um, uh, something else with the four kids? Yeah, that, yeah. So they all kind of find, I guess maybe not they all do, but like, it seems like Max, Max stands Max is with, well Max, I'm just talking about like, they Sorry. kind of find like a, like kind of romantic interest, right? Yeah. Like Max and Lucas are together. Well, at the end of the season. Yeah, and then Mike and Eleven are together. But what about Dustin and Will? Um, I feel like Dustin and Will, they don't really... I feel like they're not really ready to have girlfriends. I mean, you see... I mean, does, I mean, Will doesn't really seem to care, because, like, he's... He's just pretty stoked that he's not, like, dying in the well, upside he's, down. Well, he's still, like, really triggered that he... He's still really triggered from his experience that he can't really... He can't really focus on other things, whereas yeah. Dustin, I feel like people don't... People think that he's he's kind of a freak because like his hair is like different <laughs> i don't know but i love dustin let i'm just gonna put that out there and i thought it was really endearing how um nancy danced with him that was so sweet of that her. was really sweet of her i also thought it was really endearing how um who was nancy's first boyfriend who ended up being a who was like a total douche and then ended up really redeeming himself steve yeah, I thought it was really nice how Steve took Dustin under his wing. Oh, I love that part where he like where he got him ready for the dance. Steve's kind of a fascinating character because he goes from being this quintessential jockey, popular, cool guy in high school, and he just and then he goes to such a fatherly figure to um, Nancy's brother Mike and all of his friends. Yeah, he's like that's the other thing about Stranger Things is like characters just out of the blue come up so huge. You know what and I mean? And then they just develop. Like, the developing is very consistent, which I like, and I don't really see that a lot with other shows. Like, in Riverdale, um, some of the characters, they, they develop, some developments are just so sudden, I feel yeah. like. Um, like, where... <laughs> well, Evie, Riverdale's like a soap opera, where there's just It is just not, like, it's, well, Evie, yeah, it is kind a, of soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, there's a different, like... Someone's either getting married or dying or, like, like something insane happens every 25 minutes. It's just, like, jam-packed drama. Whereas Stranger Things, there's, like, development and because, thought. Well, that's because, like, there's less episodes, so they have to use more, more time. But I think your point is really true, that they do a great job of developing characters. And that's what I was trying to say, is, like, at different points in the s different seasons, you kind of... You'll have very low expectations for a character. You'll be like, oh, this guy kind of sucks, or like, she's not that useful. And they'll just totally redeem themselves and totally come through huge. I mean, even Hopper, in the first couple episodes, you think he's kind of a, a turd, and he ends up being really, really useful and being more like the first adult besides Nona Ryder to like really get into it and like figure out what's going on. Um, what did you think? So, Eleven to me is the most interesting character. You like her the most, too. I loved her season two arc. What did you think of the Chicago episode? So that's the one where she... Where she runs away. She goes to find her sister. 
or the yeah. other like ESP Callie? person? Callie. Callie. I can't yeah, remember her name. name. That was Cal. It was okay, Callie. Callie. And like but her ba- and Callie and her like band of thieves. I think something I like about Callie and what she is, she really allows for Eleven to have kind of a sisterly figure because she teaches her that it's okay to be un- to be um, an outsider, and she embraces her powers. She's not. She doesn't feel like you can kind of t- tell that she isn't. She isn't ashamed of her powers, and she tell and she encourages Eleven to really feel the magic inside of her and let it out because Callie allows for Eleven to have to see like a whole other side of her that is you know that she's never seen before totally I I was talking about this with Kevin and Kevin hated the Chicago episode because he felt like it was a total distraction from the plot and I think your point's really true that it's very necessary to have that episode because it helps Eleven unlock who she is and come to terms with her powers and accepting her differences, like you said. And really Callie thoughtfully. really helps her do that. Definitely. and But I also think, and this is getting into what I talk, want to talk about next, I think Callie's going to be an important character in season three. Me too. I really hope that she gets more screen time. I just, I think, I think that they've spent too much time setting up the fact that Eleven is... The 11, you know what I mean? Like, she's one of, I think you said 13. Like, there's there's a ton of different ESP people besides 11. 11 may be the best at it, but, you know, she's not the only one. And I think we're going to learn about who the others are and what the deal is with that and get more information on that. But what I wanted to ask you about is what do you think is going to happen in Season 3, or what are you looking forward to in Season 3, or what do you hope happens in Season 3? I'm looking forward to some, for Max's character develop more, and, how, mm-hmm. and for her to explore that, that character development I was talking about earlier, where she, um, where she stands up for everyone. And that's kind of new for them, because like no one really has stood up for them before, other than Eleven. Like, this is kind of, it's still, like, very, very new to them. Right. And Max kind of, she, like, steps in and stands up for her, for them. I mean, I really hope Mike stops being mean to her, because she's, she's been, she stuck up for them when literally her psycho brother was going to try to kill them. Yeah, and it's, I think it's a great lesson, because, you know, those four kids, like you talked about, are so used to getting bullied and picked on, that they... I can relate to that. They're really, like... They're really, like, jaded, you know what I mean? And they, like, really don't... They're not trusting of other people. And They have trust issues. And and Max is kind of in a similar spot, right? Like, she's, like, pretty much a loner when she comes to their town. And I think Max is kind of like, ew, these kids are gross, and they're like, oh, she's rude. And then even when Max kind of tries to hang out with them, they're at first like, ew, get her away, but... Like you said, like she really holds it down for them and is like a really good friend and it was just cool seeing them kind of warm up to her and like realize that she you know I hope that they, they can all be friends be so in season three, like Will, Mike, Dustin, Lucas, Eleven, and Max. But like at first Eleven isn't really that happy about Max coming in because she she might feel a little bit replaced in her but Eleven's irreplaceable. Mike knows that she's because like Mike doesn't really want... The reason Mike is so closed off to Max is because he doesn't want anyone to replace Eleven Mm because he's in love with her. I mean, I really hope that we explore their... I'm I'm looking forward to their relationship. Like, what comes for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, all right, I want to talk to you about one more thing, Evie. So the upside down, which is what they call, you know, kind of the whatever the other dimension. second dimension that Eleven opens accidentally, as we learn in season two. Um, what do you think about the upside down? I guess first question: How were you like really scared when they outlined what it was in season one? I really was. Like, the Demogorgon, the Demogorgon really was scary. It was so big, and it's kind of like spiders. It was kind. It kind of looks like a spider, and I know me, I have arachnophobia, and that means I'm scared. That means, like, a, an immense fear of spiders. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, that. it looked like the spider, so naturally I was very, very terrified. And the way it looms over, and it has so much darkness, and it's just so so dark <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say but yeah it's but like when will was like trapped in there and like you see in like the in the season one finale where you see him trapped and he's like you know coiled up i just get i just got so scared for him yeah yeah and where 11 was like putting her life on the line to rescue him and i just felt so and this is a little off topic but I just felt so bad for Nancy when she finds out that Barb is dead because she kind of retains that hope that she's still alive and she's finding her way in the Upside Down, but she, she just And doesn't. Nancy has that profound guilt. I mean, even though it's obviously not Nancy's fault, but Nancy feels like she didn't treat Barb well as a friend, and then Barb dies, you know, kind of immediately after. I think Nancy really feels that guilt, and I think that fuels Nancy's drive to help out the group, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and that's one, of the, that's one of the kind of beautiful things about this show as it relates to both, you know, kind of as we get back to the idea that it appeals to kind of all ages and genders, right? Is like their motivations are simple enough that someone who's 13, 14 can really identify and understand them and but- complicated enough that I'm not like kind of overlooking it or thinking like it's childish. Like... Nancy's, like, Nancy's motivation speaks to both of us. And I think that's really cool that the show can do that. I also think that it, uh, like I said earlier, it also relates to high school a little bit. Because I know in some 90s movies, I'm getting to the point, don't worry guys. Um, You see, (laughs) like, there's that outsider kid in high school who gets bullied. And I feel like Jonathan is that outsider kid. And he's constantly getting picked on like people think he's weird like that like that kind of factors into high school a little bit as you can see in various cinema and tv um and nancy is really nice to him because you know she feels i feel like she feels bad about she feels responsible for barb's death and she wants to kind of cope with it in a way and and she and she knows that jonathan like has footage of barb being dragged into the upside down and she she sees that, and she is really grateful for him. She's really grateful for that because it gives her a little bit of closure, but not a ton. I think she gets some closure in the season, in the finale where she, in the season finale of two, of course, and that was weird. Word. Yeah. Um, where she, where Barb has a funeral, but she, but having that outsider friend kind of gives her a little bit of closure for Barb's death because she feels a little less responsible. And Jonathan feels good because he finally... Because Nancy, at this point, is is seen kind of as popular because she's dating Steve. And... Yeah. Um, I just want to say one more thing about the Upside Down. I I just love that concept. Yeah. And I'm, I'm someone who's, like, a huge fan of sci-fi stuff. 
Me and, too. And, like, I read, you know, like, I'm reading, like, Phil K. Dick books and stuff, and that's about as intense, dark sci-fi as you can get with, like, crazy technology. And really? Not really The Matrix? Setting. The Matrix, I mean, I love that too, but that's not as, oh, that's very dark. That's not as dark as some of the stuff Phil K. Dick writes about. And for, like, so for me to have kind of that standard makes me sound like a douche, but that, like, level of sci-fi that I'm into, and still they make, like, a, a show like Stranger Things that doesn't, like, that, like, kids your age can relate to, that's still, like, really fascinating to me on a sci-fi level. I think it's just so brilliant. I think the way they f- they kind of display it in the show, right, with the kids being the ones who uncover it, it almost contextual like, it contextualizes it for kids your age, right? Like, because that group of four are the ones finding it out, you're right with them. And we're all right with them. But it's this crazy concept that, to explain scientifically, would take, like, all these different adult characters making all these crazy, you know, things, and yet they can just display it so clearly and thoughtfully with the way they shoot it, which I love, like, the, like, pixelated stuff in the air, and just calling it the upside down. They have that friendly science teacher who presents the concept. Mr. Clark. Yeah. He's so underrated, in my opinion. Mr. Clark is underrated. He should have, he should have, like, like, screw everyone else. I want more Mr. Clark time in season three. <laughs> <laughs> Because he he's so underrated and he helps. And I think he's a good friend of the guys in season he one. Is. Because they're, cause, you know, they're treated as, you know, they're, they're kind of geeks. And he's, and he I can kind of relate scene. to that. I love that scene. Like he that. totally can. It's so right. I love that scene where they're trying to learn more about the Upside Down. And Dustin has all these questions. And he calls up uh, Mr. Clark. And Mr. Clark's at his house with, like, a lady. And he's like, I'm really busy. And Dustin's like, okay, well, you know, if you want to get in the way of our learning or whatever. I can't remember exactly what he says. Yeah, if you want to get in the way of our learning, be our guest. But that's kind of ironic for a teacher to do so. Because you're supposed to have the, you're supposed to clear the path for our learning. And you're just kind of making it all bleak. And uh, in the wise words of Beck Bennett on Saturday Night, you think I don't know bleak? Every morning I wake up and I'm in Russia. (laughs) Yeah, and like... But they're not in Russia. But they think that Eleven is... Do you remember that scene where they think Eleven is Russian? I just wanted to finish that. But, um... Yeah, I just love how Mr. Clark's just like... And then, like... It's like, alright, I'll help you guys out. It's like, I'll hold it down. I'll I'll pause my date for 30 minutes to explain something to kids on a weekend. I I just thought that was a really uh, really huge move for me. But I think I want to connect to Stranger... I want to connect... I want to explain a little more of the Stranger Things to the world concept. Because it's a very... For the U.S., the 80s is a very unique time in history because they're having such huge conflicts with Russia. You know, they just dealt with the Great Space Race and the Cold War and all that shit. And then you think that... You remember that scene where they're trying to track down Eleven and they think that she's like a Russian spy or something? Mm -hmm. I think that kind of connects to that thing yeah i mean this evie this takes place in the 80s this is during the cold war right yeah so they the quick five second summary of the cold war is which i know you kind of understand but it's like the u.s and russia weren't in a war but it was very tense and each was kind of trying to keep an upper hand on the other in case it went to an all-out war so there's a lot of like like you know russia launches sputnik and then u.s like oh we got to amp up our space program. It's stuff like that. Because they thought that the Sputnik was a 
was going to be a nuke or shit. Well, they just, they felt like that was an advantage for Russia. So they're like, Russia can't have an advantage over us. Yeah. Um, There's that Stranger Things to World concept. That yeah. I really, that I was kind of hoping that we explored in the podcast, and I think we did, and that was really good. Yeah. So, Evie, that's all I had. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Oh, uh, yes. Um, when I get, I get, so I get back from camp on July, uh, in late July, and I'm going to be starting a YouTube channel, so please, so I'll get oh, you're details. you're plugging your YouTube channel. Okay, yeah. plug. Okay, so I'm having, so I'm starting a YouTube channel, and it's going to ha- talk, and I'm going to be talking about Harry Potter, Disney, and just some random movies, and I'm going to be taught mainly, my main aim is like conspiracy theories and also just some fun shit. Um, <laughs> don't worry, guys. It's not, it's nothing inappropriate. It's not, we should say it's not conspiracy theories like JFK assassination, aliens. It's yeah. conspiracy theories like, I think in Beauty and the Beast this is actually happening. Yeah, and that's going to all happen in like early August, and I'll give you guys details on my Instagram which is just underscore Evie Young, and follow me on Twitter, Evie Young 20. I'm, I know it's a little bit of a self-promo, and I'm sorry, Zach, for taking the thunder on Pulp Diction, but <laughs> <laughs> I really would like to get my YouTube fan base starting. <laughs> so, and I really want you to come on my YouTube channel. I, Evie, I am there whenever you want. Great. <laughs> How the Pulp Fiction podcast turned into Evie's self-promo show. (laughs) Pulp Fiction podcast. You come for some Stranger Things and stay for uh, Hot chocolate. You know? Kind of like an after. Yeah. 100%. Um, Alright. Well, that's all I had. Evie, thank you so much for coming on the Pulp Fiction podcast. No problem. Would love to... I've I'm really excited. Of Do this. we know when season three comes out? Season three doesn't come out till 2019, and I'm Woof. I'm kind of I'm kind of pissed about that. I'm yeah, not... but you know, yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, you me think, too. Um, which wait, last question: Which should you prefer, season one or season two? Ah, uh, so hard because both of them were so good. I just think I thought that season two was more was better than season one because it, it explained more of like the mentality behind the upside down. Like mm-hmm. season one, it was just like the upside down and it was a little bleak. But season two really explore makes it seem a little more clear. It gives it, it gives like it gave me a little more clarity to like what it what exactly it was and like how the characters cope with that as a whole. And I just thought that because that was explored so much more in season two, like the mental health. Mm-hmm. I thought that was more interesting. Yeah. I mean, I... So, I agree with you a lot. I think they had such a cool concept for the show with the upside down and, like, literally breaking a hole in the dimensional world. I know, it's genius. That kind of learning about that concept in season one has been my favorite part of the show as a whole, which makes me want to say season one is the best season. But the plot in season two is so captivating, and they really do develop a lot of stuff. And, you know, I just get so much more Eleven in season. I don't know. I just, I, I really loved, um, loved both. I can't really pick. I would probably go, I'd probably go season two is better. Slightly. Yeah, Slightly. I agree. Season one is a close, close second. Yeah. All right. Well, that, uh, that does it for this edition of the Pulp Fiction Podcast. Thank you, Evie, for coming on. You're welcome. Your favorite banana peel is out. On that note, thank you all for listening. Uh, Check out my World Cup podcast with Nick if you want to see which of our predictions already look good or bad. 
Um, and I'll probably, I'm gonna be going to camp for the summer. Yep. Two seeds apiece. So, I don't know to what extent I'll be releasing podcasts over the summer, but... There'll be a little bit of a hiatus for both of us. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, keep an eye out for him. Alright, thanks, Beef. No problem. See ya.